This is completely impromptu, so we're just going <laughs> to roll with it and see what's good. Does that sound good to you? Absolutely. All right. So, um, for listeners that do not know Albert Hofstetter, uh, he was the bass player in Abomination. And really the most consistent person uh, on bass that we ever had playing bass. Possibly the only one. I'm not, I can't even remember if we ever even had anybody else. I don't know, man. I, I know I was in the band for close to a year. Oh, yeah? Yeah, and... I don't know if there. I don't think there was anybody before me, and I don't think there was anybody after me. Either. Right. <laughs> yeah, I think. Um, I want to say uh, this chick Lisa that we knew filled in at one show, but I'd be besides one or two shows, I don't think that it ever happened. Yeah. Uh. Well, let's let's go back a little bit and figure out how you ended up joining. Uh. So, as far as I know, you grew up in uh, in Arnold, correct? Uh, no, I grew up in uh, where I'm at now. I moved to Arnold in 2004. Oh, did you? And, and Keith Wilson. And uh, became fast friends with him just because of our, mainly our love for Pantera. <laughs> Right, you and, guys. Uh, you guys met uh, at, when you both were uh, co-workers for a little bit, right? Right, right at Convergence. Uh, yeah. And uh, what were your uh, what were your first impressions of Keith? Get <laughs> <had> wild eyes. <laughs> yeah. Really, really nice guy. That was my first impression of him. Uh, he came into work. Like I said, he had wild eyes and a leather jacket. He was wearing a Pantera t-shirt. People were giving him kind of a wide berth, but uh, I started talking to him. He was a cool guy, you know. And uh, it wasn't much longer after I started hanging out with him that I met you and Justin in the same night at a party at a trailer in Herculaneum. You may remember this. Uh, I I'm not sure if I remember the exact place. Yeah. <laughs> um, I don't remember whose trailer it was. I just remember that I was the only person that everyone knew that was old enough to buy beer that would actually do it. Yeah. Because I was 21 at the time. I was at this party in a trailer with all sorts of kids that were 17, 18, 19 years old, and I was the only adult, quote, quote, and I met you, and I met Justin, and I met, I want to say that night I met Tony Hall and Chris Willie for the first time as well from Irene. That was, that was kind of my crash course. In Herculaneum, huh? Yep, at a, at a trailer park in Herculaneum. I wish I remembered whose whose uh, house that was. Yeah, I, I don't remember either. I just remember. I just remember. Hey, you're old enough to buy beer. You want to hang out? 
sure, let's do it. Yeah, that's that's kind of how it worked back then, is like, if you happened upon somebody who could buy beer, uh, it was like a gift, you know. So, we all seized upon that opportunity, I suppose. <laughs> I didn't mind it, you know. I, I kind of wish that when I was that age, I knew somebody that was just a couple of years older to buy me beer. You know, I didn't. So <laughs> Yeah, so... So you were, uh, like like you were saying, you were a couple years older than uh, Keith and us. Keith is a year older than me. And, uh, and that worked out in the alcohol sense, but it also worked out because you... So how soon after you met Keith did you was he asking you to come and jam with us? Uh, probably, it, it was, let's see, about a year later, honestly, yeah. It was quite a while later. Um, he had come by my work. I had, I had left there to work somewhere else, and he had come by and dropped off tickets for an abomination show at Pops. And I didn't make the show, but I was very intrigued, and I wanted to hear more, and so I came to a practice, and uh, I was like, you know, I can play bass. And it just kind of fell into place from there. He said, well, play bass with us. And I, I remember the first practice I played, I was like, at the end of it, I was like, so am I in the band? And he looked at me like, yeah, you're in the, you were in the band the second you said I could play bass. <laughs> yeah, that's, uh, we, we didn't really have anybody that we knew that could play. So it was just sort of a thing, like, bass players were not really in supply for us, you know what I mean? Like, we we just sort of, uh, when, when you said you could do it, we're like, alright, then, then that's gonna work then. As, uh, if you're confident in your abilities, then it's gonna work, you know? Yeah, I loved it. I absolutely loved it. That's some of my most fond musical memories was that, you know, those shows we used to do and practicing in Keith's box basement. Uh, that was fun. Oh, totally, yeah, and, you know, that was, those were the times when you just didn't worry really about anything, and of course now it's completely different, and you have to worry about shit all the time, uh, I guess it was a little easier when we could always go back to our parents' place after, <laughs> you know. Exactly, exactly, yeah. Yeah, and we, uh... Yeah. That was a that was a, around around that same time, and I guess that year leading up to when you joined, we would hang out at your parents' house pretty often. Mm-hmm. And uh, I remember your—I don't know if he was your stepdad or your mom's boyfriend. Yeah. But he uh, he told us when we were all in there smoking out in your room one time. He came in and told us that he saw Black Sabbath before they were called Black Sabbath. <laughs> and he said that they were hippies and they didn't really like it. And, <laughs> and I thought that was hilarious. That, like, somebody could have seen Black Sabbath that early and just been totally disinterested. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's my, uh, my stepdad, Kurt. Yeah, he's... Yeah, he's, uh... 
good uh, influence on me as far as what I listen to. He's the one that introduced me to Triumph, and uh, you know, he introduces me to stuff from the '70s and even the '60s that I wouldn't normally have listened to. Yeah, I think you. Uh, I think you may have seen that thing I posted the other day where I was listening to Triumph. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, the cassette, that's pretty cool. <laughs> yeah, my my dad gave me, like, a boatload of cassettes not that long ago. He found a Goodwill. And I'm maybe the only person that will still listen to that chip, so. Um, yeah, the other, I was, I was going to ask you about another incident that happened with, I'm not going to say who, which band member it was, but it was somebody in Abomination. And there was another incident at your house where somebody ended up uh, running around the street naked. <laughs> <laughs> that was... Uh... <laughs> I forgot about that. <laughs> wow, yeah. That was, that was actually pretty funny now in retrospect. <laughs> at the time, not so funny. Yeah. Yeah, one, one of the members of the band had had a little too much to uh, drink one evening and decided to recreate the famous Tenacious D album cover where they're naked but they're wearing their guitars over their genitalia. And uh, <clears throat> after coaxing a laugh out of all of us, this person then decided to do that on the street out front of the house. Yeah. <laughs> pretty funny but uh, at the time it wasn't so funny my stepdad definitely didn't find it funny no and, and that's that's what I was going to ask is so did he did the person run outside like while your parents were still awake or was this in the middle of the night or it was, it was in the middle of the night they were asleep and I guess the sound of the door opening must have awakened my stepdad I don't know but uh, the best part of all of it now if you get back on it is this person's walking up the stairs to go upstairs to put his clothes back on and he's walking in front of my stepdad and so my poor stepdad's face is about three feet away from his naked ass (laughs) I mean just um, and the guy was a class act called the next day, apologized to each one of us individually, myself, my mom, and my stepdad. Uh, but the damage was done. It was like, no more people over for a while. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I, now, seem, I seem to remember we had a practice like the same week, and it was a yeah. topic of conversation. <laughs> yeah, we... Uh, that, I can't remember if that was... I think we did two practices in the garage and one of them the cops broke up one of them the cops came I think it was because we cracked the garage door to let in some air because this is the middle of summer yeah. and it's over 100 degrees in that fucking garage and there's five of us in there playing it's hot we opened the garage door and I remember looking over to the garage door and seeing some nice dress shoes right there and I said oh that's gotta be a cop those are those are cop shoes those are definitely cop shoes and uh sure enough it was one of the neighbors that called the cops that was 
<laughs> yeah, I don't, I don't remember that that uh, yeah. happening at all. But I, I don't doubt it whatsoever. Yeah. I mean, yeah, we, we we must have practiced there like a hundred times. Yeah. So. We were loud, Wow, that was that was a loud group. Well, yeah, and it wasn't a. It wasn't soundproofed at all, so even if we were in the garage, it was loud as fuck. Like, even if the garage door was closed, it would be super loud, so. Yeah. And, you know, yeah, to the credit of our neighbors, they put up with it for quite a while, you know. (laughs) But, yeah, the place wasn't soundproofed, and I... My uh, stepdad's grandfather lived at the house. He lived to be 102 years old. And, uh, I remember, uh, would come in for practice and he looked at me one time and says, what the hell was that noise? (laughs) (laughs) And I, that was when I knew we sounded good when a hundred year old man wondered what the hell that noise was. Yeah, we sounded good. (laughs) Well, uh, yeah, I'm, I'm, so... You, so you would say your experience in the band was overall you'd uh, consider it a really good thing, or uh... absolutely. I've I've been in bands since then, and uh, I mean nothing that I've done was as consistent as far as playing shows as that was. I mean we were playing not every weekend, but pretty close to every weekend at the Creepy Crawl. We were there, either at Creepy Crawl or just Bills, one of the two. You know, it was it was, and you guys were all really cool. You know, that was the other thing. I've had problems with other members of bands ever since. I've never had a band like Abomination where it was so much fun, and I got along with all the members. Right. You know, that was that was the thing. And the music was great. I mean, I think it, it was definitely my favorite music that I've ever played. Well, that's good to hear, somebody, man. Somebody had teased uh, or joked, I think it was uh, Sam Richardson, had joked a year or so ago on one of your posts about he wanted to see an abomination reunion. And uh, I said, well, if I lived in the area, I'd be down. But uh, I live, you know, 100 miles away now, so... <laughs> Yeah, it's a bit of a drive, for sure. Yeah, wouldn't 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 be worth it, I don't think. <laughs> well, it, it would just depend on if we could get everybody to relearn the songs, and you know, of course, Keith doesn't even live in the country right now, so. Well, see, that's the thing. I I haven't talked to Keith in a long time, so yeah, I don't even. Last I knew, he was in the military and was having another kid or two. I don't know what's going on. I haven't talked to him in a long time. But, uh, yeah, that would be... It'd be impossible, I think, at this point. Maybe someday. Yeah. Don't count it out completely. Exactly. Dude, I never never count anything out. And like you said, um, that band was all about just having fun and doing that one thing. And there wasn't any... There wasn't any like extra bullshit interests or anything like that. It was just it was just the pure thing of playing the music and going and playing shows. And um, you know it's 
there is a lot of flakes, and I'm finding that out more now than than uh, ever when I'm trying to get a new thing rolling. And yeah. uh, it, it is it just is what it is, and you have to kind of keep a uh, a steady uh, forward movement and trying to figure something out. So. Uh, if you ever decide to get in another band, I wish you good luck with it. Um, the other thing that, and one of the main, uh, reasons we're doing this today is that we both marathoned, uh, all four of the episodes of Twin Peaks that have, that have, uh, aired so far. Oh, yes. And... It was it was pretty insane, and I kind of want to get your thoughts on it. Um, it was a long like I didn't realize that they were all going to be a full hour, and that it would be that uh, extensive of a show. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. It was uh, it was definitely an undertaking watching all four hours. I was up until probably two o'clock in the morning watching Twin Peaks. Yeah, I think I I started pretty much right when I got off of work, and it took up the my entire day of you know after work just hanging out. Yeah. And uh, say what were you gonna say? I was gonna say it was it was definitely worth the time to put into it though. Yeah, well, you know, that was a, it was a, a show I watched, and I, I kind of want to ask you a couple of questions before we get into the actual episodes, but uh, my experience in, uh, in watching the show was that a couple of years ago, uh, it was recommended to me. And I watched it on Netflix, and I watched it over a period of, like, a few months, and kind of... I didn't binge it, I just sort of, like, took my time with it, you know? And... My experience with it is that it was good, it was great, but also bad in some parts, and the the stuff I don't like is the melodrama of it. Yeah. Which is... Which is the super cheesy, like, love interest stuff. And uh, and I think most of that is the non-David Lynch uh, yeah. areas of the story where, like, other writers were in there and other directors were in there. Yeah, that's that's mostly, I think, mostly in the second season where Lynch wasn't as involved. Uh, it was mostly Mark Frost, and uh, they brought in other writers to try to, I guess, save the show. Yeah, because uh, the network wanted them to wrap up the the uh, you know the murder mystery. They wanted they wanted the show to give an answer to that because people had been pining for it since the first episode. Yeah, and uh, unfortunately, it led to subpar episodes. But yeah. then, but then, uh, but then you have the you know. You have the amazing first season, and then you have the amazing um, cu- couple of episodes in the second season, especially the finale, that totally redeem it. Yes, that finale, yeah. 
and it's it's it that just that much of the show in those first in that first time through that I watched it was enough for me to like love that show to death and really hope that something else happened. You know what I mean? And of course they did they did make uh Fire Walk with me, but I still have yet to see that. Really? And that is unfortunate because it's keying into this new season, it turns out. That was a question that I had going into it was were they going to act like Firewalk with me didn't even happen? Or were they going to actually acknowledge it? And they have acknowledged it multiple times. Yeah. You know, they've mentioned Bullet Jeffries. That's uh, David Bowie's character from Firewalk with me. Uh, the Blue Rose, they've mentioned multiple times. I'm glad that they're playing it in there. I really am. Yeah, I'm, I'm going to have to get on that really, really soon. Probably this weekend if I can. But, uh... Yeah. I should say from this point forward, we're going to be completely loose with spoilers, so if anybody is planning on watching it, please either fast forward <laughs> or completely turn off the episode down and revisit it later. Okay, now, now that that's out of the way, we can move forward. Unfortunately, with the internet, how it is, you have to do things like that. Yeah, yeah. yeah. But, uh, instead of... Okay, so there is a ton of podcasts out there already recapping every single thing that is happening. You know, there, there's podcasts that are going through scene by scene and trying to decipher everything. What I thought would be a better idea is to... Uh, go over this Vanity Fair article, and it, it it just sort of pointed out some things, some like Easter eggs that people might not have noticed. And uh, since you and I both watched it, and both are probably just like shocked and uh, amazed by this, probably the same things. Besides the, of course, inside stuff of Firewalk with me, but uh, I wrote down a couple of those too so that you can maybe help explain them a little bit more. Uh, but let's dig into this article real quick. Actually, it won't be real quick because I wrote down a lot of things. Okay, so... Uh, first of all, Lynch... I wanted to mention Lynch did say... For a fact that Firewalk Me is absolutely key if you're going to be watching this 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 season. So I'm already behind, and that's okay because the, the show is good enough that I'm in regardless. Yeah. Uh, what was really interesting was they spent, and especially in the first these first four episodes, they spent pretty much no time in Twin Peaks at all. Uh, yeah. There's a there's a couple of things in the sheriff's department, uh, but aside from that, there's not a whole lot. Um, do you think that they should have focused more on being or like? Do you think it ruined the beginning of this season at all to not be there as much? Or I think he's setting up for something. I think that Lynch and Frost are setting up for something. I think it's all going to come back to uh, Twin Peaks in a big way. 
And, uh, I mean, if, if someone is watching this for the first time, they've never seen the original show, they might wonder why the hell this is happening. Why aren't they actually in between Twin Peaks? For me, and probably for you, we've got experience with David Lynch's work. You just go for the ride, you know? That's really the, that's what you have to do, is just go for the ride. Yeah, yeah and there's, there's, uh... There's, you know, there's going to be 18 episodes, so we still got. There's over 200 people in the cast. I mean, it's, yeah, this is a huge show. There's going to be a lot happening. Right, right. And I I don't, I don't think it really took away from it at all, so. Uh, Let's see. They spent time in uh, South Dakota, and that's where you see Matthew Lillard yeah. make a cameo, which was awesome. I'm not sure how much he's going to be in it going forward, but uh, I thought he did a really good job and sort of uncharacteristic of his past roles. Yeah, he's typically a, a comedy actor, a lot of tongue-in-cheek stuff, and there's no comedy in, in his performance, really, whatsoever. Right. And, uh, it's very good, you know. It, it definitely gives me a different opinion of him, you know. Yeah, I would not I would not have thought of him in that way until this happened, so. Um, in New York City, they had the whole empty box stuff, which was just completely insane, to open the entire season that way, you know. That is so. That is so David Lynch. That yeah, and you're you're just the whole time you're watching that whole sequence, and then it comes back later, of course. But you're just wondering, like, what even is this? You know how how the hell does this relate, even in the least bit? And of course, you find out. But right. Um. And uh, with, with all of these different places, the uh, the evil doppelganger of uh, Dale Cooper is connecting them all. Yep. Uh, with the with the sort of murder mystery that he is his hands in everything, you know, it's it's he seems like sort of like an underworld character, you know, that's involved in all these heinous crimes that go underneath the you know that are like underlying all the time you know yeah I just thought that was really interesting that he kind of connected all of these separate things together uh there's plenty of red room stuff in the first episode as well or first uh, two episodes anyway uh, I thought it was interesting that the uh, quote is it future or is it past and I think that ties into Firewalk with me but I'm not sure um, I can't remember that offhand honestly it's a, I know it's in a red room sequence that isn't that 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 um, is either in the show or in the movie so and uh, apparently, the bartender from season uh, is is from season one. That is a character that's been dead, and he's a Renault brother. Uh, yeah, yeah. 
And he was just... he They made no mention of him whatsoever. He's just in the background, you know, serving up drinks. <laughs> so, I think he's credited as somebody... Like, credited as a brother of... Uh, of the Renault character played by Michael Parks. So I don't know what is going to happen with that, but that was just an interesting kind of background thing that I don't think many people noticed. Uh, and then in the end of episode two, or part two, rather, uh, Shelly is seen at the uh, table with some girlfriends, so that was kind of cool. Yeah, that was a neat little nod to the, you know, the original series. Yeah, and I I was hoping that we were going to see uh, Audrey Horn, but that did not happen. Yeah. At least not yet. I'm assuming she'll be in there somewhere. And then, okay, so we get to episode three. And there's the crazy trip through the cosmos that uh, Dale Cooper takes after he gets out of the Red Room. Yeah. Uh, What did you think of that? That whole sequence? It was was bizarre. I loved it. Um, It it was kind of reminiscent of David Lynch's movie uh, Inland Empire where there's just a lot of out there shit happening that, that they don't explain I mean and now that second girl that they show they show two girls in the red dresses and the second one kind of looks like oh what's her name the girl that uh, shows up that shows up after um, after Laura Palmer the one that's not dead she oh yeah up. yeah uh I actually wrote that down. Um, she's the other assault victim, right? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. It's Ronette. That's it. And um, yeah. was that so? Was that the one who had the uh, like her eyes were covered over? No, that was the second one. Okay. The girl that had her eyes covered over. I don't know what the hell was going on there. I just. <laughs> I know. I mean, some. I think some stuff with David Lynch is like some. It doesn't even mean anything, you know. Yeah. It's just there to you know kind of creep the viewer out a little bit, and that it, it did that. It was very unsettling, you know. Yeah, and that that sequence lasts a very long time too. So you're, and you have the you have the mother character banging on the the door. You know, and it's it's just very like you said, it's unsettling. It's just strange. Yeah. Um. So we we go back to the box where the agents see the uh, the agents see the result of the. I guess it, it's some sort of ghost or demon character that breaks through the box and ends up killing the two characters from the first episode. And uh, there's a there's a theory about the box that it may, and I, it, I think they're leading this way in that it may be meant to trap people coming back from the Black Lodge. 
and maybe maybe uh, Dale Cooper in specific. Um, but of course they they haven't spelled that out, you know. But uh, I just thought that whole thing was really interesting, and there's so many ways they could go with that that it, you just there. And that's the problem with these theories that you see online is like they're. It's so early that any theory yeah. you could try to make is probably way wrong. <laughs> you know, another question that I had was, who is this millionaire benefactor that created that underground bunker and and the uh, the box? You know, they mentioned that uh, when the boy's talking to the girl. He's just some rich guy. I'm curious as to who it is and what they're their motivation is you know yeah and that's you know that's the whole thing is like what obviously they know they have to know it has some kind of connection with the Black Lodge so we'll see where that goes um so then you have this Dougie character that is just an odd version of Mr. or uh, Mr. C or or uh, Dale and manufactured. Right, yeah, and it seems that possibly the evil doppelganger of Dale Cooper, who uh, we are to assume is Bob in some form, has has created this this other version of himself so that and maybe this is a theory too, but um has created this version of himself so that if Dale was to escape the Black Lodge, then he would not choose the right body. You know, he wouldn't choose his own body again. So yeah, I, one, yeah. yeah, so I don't know if that is exactly correct or not, but it's... There's all... There's all I mean, it's so wide open at this point, so it's hard to tell. But that's another thing that's been thrown out there. Um, what's, what's that? I said that one's a solid theory, I think. For sure. Um, but the whole, the Dougie, the whole Dougie, uh, section of the episode is so weird. Yeah. And, uh, you know, the prostitute and the guys trying to assassinate him, like, what's going on there? I have no clue. Uh... Happenstance, he ducks, you know, and they're about to sniper him in the middle of a neighborhood. It's just like, just un- unbelievable writing and piecing together the story. It's almost at like a Breaking Bad level, you know. Yeah. So good. So, uh, so then we have the the uh, Hawk storyline where he gets the message. From the log lady, who thankfully was able to film her stuff before she passed away, um, because she was awesome. Yes. Uh, in the original series and in this, um, and she she uh, she tells Hawk that uh, something is missing, and it relates to Dale. So then that gets him on the trail trying to figure out where Dale is. 
and uh, and it w- there was it was kind of a cool uh, throwback to his line from season two, uh, Dale Cooper's line from season two. If I ever get lost, I hope you're the man they send to find me. And it turns out it's exactly that. Yep. <laughs> so that's kind of cool. Um, do you have any thoughts on the uh, the interplay between uh, Lucy and Hawk and uh, Lucy's husband, who is the kind of bumbling cop? Oh, man. Uh, I feel bad for Hawk having to deal with those two. I know that much. <laughs> yeah, and I, I really thought it was interesting how, like, there's this whole other competent area of the sheriff's department now where there's also like because the the original sheriff's character I can't remember his name he's not in this he was one of the main guys in the original he's one of the only character uh, actors not coming back um, yeah uh, the character was Harry S. Truman that's right yeah. and uh, I think the new Sheriff is supposed to be his brother, correct? Yep. Okay, that's what I thought. And uh, and he's played by Robert Forrester, who is an awesome actor. He was in yes. Jackie Brown and Breaking Bad, among other things. Eric Andre, he was on... <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> so, anyway, uh, you have this whole... Side that side of the department that is run by competent individuals who really like dislike Lucy and dis and dislike her his, her husband and um, it's just interesting the dynamic between those characters. Uh, so then, so so now we're in episode four and you had the return of David Duchovny as Denise Bryson, which was. Super interesting. I was wondering how they're going to play that because of how how things are now with you know uh, trans people and gay people and that kind of thing. Uh, but they play it perfectly. It's made no acknowledgement of anything odd. You know exactly how they did before. Um, I think that. One of my favorite moments watching that show was my fiance going, "Is that David Duchovny in drag?" Yes, it is. <laughs> <laughs> Very much is. Uh, so then, uh, Bobby Briggs returns as well with uh, one of the throwbacks to the original series where he gets super melodramatic and they play up yeah. the they play up the the theme, you know, really really big, and he starts crying. Uh, and that's one of his character tropes, you know. So it was kind of cool to see that again. Even though I, it was like torture getting through season two with him. Uh, yes. It was still cool. Like I know I. You don't look at these characters. You know, I only watched it two years ago for the first time. You don't look at these characters as older guys, you know. Because they are now. Yeah. And it's just odd. But uh, I still love it. Uh, like you were saying before, there's tons of references to uh, Agent Philip Jeffries. Uh, 
Mm-hmm. Who was, uh, of course, played by David Bowie. Who, unfortunately, will not be in this, but they are maybe saying he was recast. I don't know how I feel about that. I know. It would be odd, but I wouldn't yeah. I wouldn't put it past them. Um, we'll see what happens. Well, I think uh, one of the people on the cast list is Trent Reznor. Yeah. And I think it would be kind of interesting if, you know, they would have cast him as Jeffries. Thing is how they worked together quite a bit, you know, when David Bowie was alive especially back in the late 90s, it'd be kind of interesting if, you know, they recast him as Jeffries. Yeah, I would, it, I would, um, I'm kind of wondering if Trent Reznor might just play music. That'd be cool, too. Because <laughs> they're focusing a lot on these kind of electronic bands, you know. So, certainly possible. Uh, let's see. Uh, one of the moments you mentioned to me last night, uh, Michael Sarah <laughs> as a uh, Wally Brando, who uh, he was doing a spot on uh, Brando impression, <laughs> which is insane. Um. <laughs> intended to be hilarious but it, it fucking is hilarious I think it was I think it straight up played for laughs cause like he's a comedic actor he's the son of these two like imbeciles pretty much but yeah I really enjoyed that as well my shadow was always behind me except for when it was in front of me <laughs> Sometimes it was to my left, sometimes it was to my right. Except for our cloudy days. <laughs> okay? Just, yeah, that's what shadows do. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> it's very weird. Uh, so, so then we have Dale at the casino after he ends up, after he escapes the, uh, the electrical socket, which I can't believe that's a sentence. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> okay, so anyway, he uh, they they take to calling him Mr. Jackpot because he sees he sees these symbols of the red room above slot machines, and he's able to point out exactly which ones will hit a jackpot. And uh, he hears a guy yell before he hits a jackpot, and he takes to imitating this guy. And uh, it, it made me laugh over and over when he kept doing that. Uh, I feel like now we're just recapping a ton of scenes, but I, if that's what this has to be, then that's fine. Whatever. Uh, let's see. Okay, so... The theory behind uh, Agent Cole... Agent Cole is uh, apparently seeking a woman to... He's going to try to figure out... uh, You know... Cooper... The evil Cooper's strange behavior, right? Right. 
And uh, the theory is that he's going to search out Sarah Palmer, possibly. Because she has the psychic abilities. Or at least... Or at least some kind of sixth sense. Yeah. Um... It'd be cool if that's the way they went, but I, I, I think it could be anybody at this point, considering the amount of people that are going to be involved in this show. Yeah. Uh, and so we still have no Audrey Horn. Right. Um. Michael Parks unfortunately died, so we'll get no Jean Renault. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Bob, the character, the or the actor that played Bob has died a long time ago, apparently. Yeah. Which really sucks. Yeah. Uh, but they have showed him already, so maybe they'll just play the old clips and work him in somehow. And, uh, one of the best, I thought one of the best parts of these opening episodes was... Uh, Agent Rosenfeld, played by uh, Miguel Ferrer. <laughs> and unfortunately, he passed away recently as well, but um, I guess he was able to get his scenes in, and I don't know if he's only going to be in these opening couple of episodes. Um, but he was great. Yeah. The, uh, the kind of interaction between him and... Uh, him and Lynch's character were, were, were turned out to be awesome. Oh, yeah. So, uh, we don't know anything else at this point. Um, I just had a thought, actually. Um, go ahead. So, you remember how Dougie was almost assassinated as he was coming out of that subdivision? Um, I remember whenever they took Agent Cole back to his house, uh, or to Dougie's house, and his wife says, when she comes in with that big bag of money, we can pay them off. Maybe that's why he was being assassinated. Maybe he owes somebody some money. I just thought of that. Yeah. Yeah, she she seems awfully uh, pleased, you know, at whatever the possibilities are for that money. Um, yep. He, he owes somebody some unspecified debt, apparently, and uh, I think that might have been why he was getting sniped. That makes sense. Dang. That's what I love about these shows, you know, or this show. Anything that David Lynch does, there's layers. If you peel them back, you start to learn more and more. You know, it almost, and I don't have another four hours to devote to it anytime soon, but. You almost need to watch it a second time. You know? Right. Any anything David Lynch does requires multiple viewings. I can't tell you how many times I watched Mulholland Drive before I finally started to kind of understand it. <laughs> right. Yeah. yeah. I uh, unfortunately, with the amount of awesome TV and media and music and stuff that's coming out now, like I don't have a ton of time either you know like there's always something new coming out or some new series uh and we're you know fortunately we're able to have this series be one of them now 
I will be rewatching this. I don't know when I will, but I will. You know. I'm, I'll probably wait until it all comes out on DVD or something, and then sit down and just watch all of it at once if I can. Yeah. So. Uh, the things that you mentioned before that were in Fire Walk with me. Um, you have the Blue Rose, which which uh, it's theorized is a sort of X-File uh, and and I guess it's about the Black Lodge, is that correct? Uh, I would assume. I, 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 they don't really go into it. Right. That That's the one part of, of this interpretive dance thing that they're not able to uh, interpret. Uh, see, and just from listening to people talk about the show, I'm able to <laughs> know about this stuff. Uh, may, and it maybe makes more sense like, hearing people parse through it, you know. Uh, and then the uh, Lindsay wa- watched this little small portion of it with me, which was the the um, the evolution of the arm. Which was a a part in the uh, in the um, in the the Black Lodge, where uh, you see this sort of tree with a brain on top of it, sort of thing, and uh, it's apparently the evolution of the arm. So is that is that related in some way to Firewalk with Me? Uh, yeah, it's it's definitely mentioned in there. Uh, so the arm is uh, the evolution of they call him the man from another place right right um, and that's what that brain tree or whatever the hell it is that's what it is it's, it's, he's an evolved version of that um, from what I understand it was all an entity called Mike and there was something to do with the left arm had a tattoo on it and Mike cut the left arm off and something to do with the left arm it was somehow connected to Bob and Mike did not want to be connected to Bob anymore so he cut the left arm off and it became an entity in and of itself it's, wow it's weird yeah that, that is that is odd it's next level weird Lynchian stuff yeah well the uh I think as I maybe mentioned mentioned this before the the red room and the black lodge stuff alone is enough to keep me completely glued to this series and to the even the possibility of understanding that area of this show just a little bit more is enough for me to stay in, involved you know I think it's easily the most intriguing part of the show is the Black Lodge. Oh yeah, and, and it has been for decades, you know, ever since the original show aired, and everybody's wondered what the hell is this place, you know, it's, I, I, it's just a place of pure evil as far as I can tell, I don't, I don't understand, but... It seems sort of like a, another, another realm or like a purgatory almost. So I was getting ready to say purgatory sort of, yeah. 
But it's, uh, it's I, I'm guessing it's some kind of combination of those. Yeah. Well, we'll uh, continue watching and maybe uh, we'll revisit and discuss this stuff some more in the future. I'd love that. Uh, thank you for joining me and uh, we'll we'll uh, we'll discuss some different topics next time as well besides the abomination stuff mm-hmm. uh, the last thing we had to do it is a tradition on bacon and A's is you have to name your ham and agar of the week <laughs> so for uh, for those who may not know what a ham and agar is, it's wrestling speak for uh, jabroni or uh, an undesirable person or uh, animal. <laughs> Maybe this animal. Certainly not. No. Definitely not him. He doesn't deserve it. Uh, He's not a jabroni. The, the listeners have no idea what we're talking about right now. But uh, go ahead and name, go ahead and name your uh, ham and agar of the week, sir. I'm gonna say for this week and with what we were talking about, I'm gonna say the ham and agar is Dark Cooper, Agent Cooper's doppelganger. I think uh, I think that is a very good ham and agar. That, that. that stuff that he puked up after his accident kind of looked like ham and eggs. Kind of. I know it was toxic. <laughs> They're saying that that might be, like, that's another thing I forgot to mention. Uh, Garbonzia, the, uh, yeah. the pain and sorrow, like, they're saying that might be the physical manifestation of what that is. Well, you know, it, it kind of looked like, I mean, it's gross, but it kind of looked like when he's eating the cream corn in the firewalk with me. Yeah, there kind of looked like there was corn in it. Well, shit. Yeah. <laughs> see, man, I really need to see this movie. I don't. There's things yeah. that are so past me, and so it makes like it makes it confusing to watch, but it's intriguing regardless. You know. So. Um, thank you for being on the show once again. Uh, thank you for having me. And uh, until next time, um, have some more bacon and eggs, man. I don't know. I never know how to end this show. Ow. Stay crispy. Yeah, there you go. Stay crispy, everybody. Oh, <laughs> All right, man. <laughs>